Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today's guest, Raymond Sholseth, has started 45 businesses in his career. 40 of them failed and five are wildly successful. And many of the ones that failed were wildly successful along the ride. So this is a man that has a depth of experience and knowledge that very few that have ever lived have. And not just in the, the knowledge of how businesses work, but in the human psychology and dealing with all the things that happen when things go wrong. So Raymond, I am crazy excited to dive into this conversation with you. And that being said, if you'll take us into the craziest moment that you've had in business or in real estate. Hey guys, thank you for having me today. I'm glad to be here. It's always a privilege to uh, meet new awesome people and talk about our struggles, challenges, and opportunities to grow throughout our career. Um, man, crazy times, dark times, I don't know. I will tell you about one of the worst investments I've ever made if you want to dive into that. I, uh, yeah. I had a controller that worked for me at one point after I had made I had an exit event. I made quite a bit of cash. I hired a controller. He was um, a mutual friend of a financial planner that I knew. Um, brought him into my business to kind of help me plan and make things happen. He had a family situation that was going to take him back to where his family lived, which was out of state from where we are here in Chicago. And at the time, he was in Los Angeles, California. And, uh, you know, I didn't care. He could work wherever he wanted to. And long story short, he, uh, he knew that I was focused on investing in real estate, and he calls me one time, and he's like, hey, I think there's an opportunity. I have this uh, mixed-use building in an area in Pennsylvania. The area's up and coming. You know, it has a, currently has a restaurant on the bottom floor, and it's got some units up on the top floor that are rented out. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's talk about it, and, you know, what is your idea? So... Long story short, we ended up looking at like 15 different deals that were all kind of structured the same. We circled back to this deal because we felt it was the best based on his analytics of the numbers. And um, <laughs> it ended up being a complete crap show for lack of a better term. And it cost me about a million dollars of lost capital and about three years of my life. Um, I'll walk wow. you through it. So. I had three different attorneys as part of this deal to get it done, you know, do my due diligence, go through everything, make sure everything's legit. All that happened, comes down to it. When we finally closed on the property and then went to actually start moving, we had a couple things happen. Number one, the gentleman that worked you know, with me said, I'll handle it. My family's in construction. I'll take care of it. Well, he decided to start construction without permits. That was mistake number one. The building, short story, the building got red flagged. We ended up in a lawsuit with the city. We also ended up figuring out that the building had two parcel numbers because it was never parceled together, that it had structural issues that were never addressed, that uh, the way the historic owner of the restaurant had it set up is he had one side being a cafe and one side being a kitchen, but they couldn't work together. So you would have to walk outside of the building to feed the people in the restaurant. <laughs> and, you know, 
Guys, it took about two years to get everything settled with the city. Lots of architects, structural engineers, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars and opportunity costs, right, lost in order to get this thing done. Finally, we got open and the restaurant crushed it the first six months and there were operational issues. Um, labor cost was way out of whack. Food cost was way out of whack. Couldn't get the volume through the place. A whole bunch of things, whole bunch of different things going on. And finally, I just had to pull the plug and shut it down and fire sale the property and all the equipment inside of it to get back what I can and, um, you know, lick my wounds and move on. But it was extremely painful because I was bleeding, like I said, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. And to some degree, there was nothing I could do about it until I got it to a place that I could at least unload it. That was one of my, my darker so, moments, not darkest, right? Because at the end of the day, I still had my health and I still had cash in that sense, but <laughs> it was tough, man. It was tough on the relationship. It was tough on cash flow. It was tough on everything happening around me. And so how did you weather that? I mean, cause it's not like it was something where you lost a million dollars in a night. It was like you were getting beat up over a six month, one year, two year, three year period. Yeah, I mean, it was a very, very, so it was a long road. And, you know, part of the problem, part of my problem is that I didn't stay in my lane. Like I didn't, right? Like I got into something I should not have got into that was not even in my state. And I couldn't even drive to it to be like, hey, what's going on here? And, you know, I, I trusted people around me to handle it and manage it and I don't think they were the right people to do that at the end of the day, right? So I learned a lot of lessons from that. Um, one was just stay in my lane, which historically I'm not good at anyway, right? There's some part of me that's an opportunist. There's some part of me that like just loves creating stuff. You know, like I love, mm -hmm. I call it like the zero to 60 method, right? Like I wanna be at ground zero of a startup, get it up, get it running, get it going, and then plug somebody else in place to manage it. Like I'm uninterested in the day-to-day -day <laughs> stuff. That's, that's not my forte. I like the creative aspect of taking nothing to something that excites me, which is why I was in product development for so long, right? Like that, that makes a lot of sense to me as I've become more and more aware of why I make the decisions that I make and what my long-term goals are and what that looks like for both me and my family. Um, how did I weather that? I don't know. Like I had to focus on the end. I had to focus on creating an exit plan, which was also another mistake is that, you know, I didn't go into it with a clear exit plan. You know, I didn't know anything about the restaurant business. I relied on other people to do that. I didn't know anything about the area. I relied on other people to do that, but I had cash and on paper, it looked good. It was going to generate an 18 to 20% return. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's going to be sustainable. It's good for the partners that I had with me. And okay, let's do it. Not so much, right? And that's kind of how it goes, right? That's why I've had so many failures because I've tried these new things and I've learned from them. But it's also given me so much contrast that has given me clarity on other businesses by understanding the mistakes that I made along the way. What are some of the key lessons that you've learned? I mean, I, I hear you're mentioning staying in your lane um, as probably one of them, but what are some of the key takeaways that you've learned that maybe would apply to either all or a broad swath of the failures that have happened? Yeah, so one is definitely, you know, right on point, stay in your lane to some degree. 
but you also have to adapt and grow, you know, and that's a big part of it is that I had to figure out a way out of my mess and how I was going to clean that up and what it was going to look like, you know, and no one's going to do that for you, right? You have to dive in and you have mm -hmm. to figure it out. It doesn't mean you can't ask for help. It doesn't mean you can't ask questions or consult with people. But at the end of the day, you're responsible to do that. And part of the reason that was a huge failure is because I didn't jump in soon enough and shut it down. I gave somebody where I feel responsible is I felt like I gave somebody enough rope to hang themselves and that's on me. Like I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. So taking this a step further, Give us some of the, the highlights, some of the, the businesses as those really took off and became successful. Give us some examples of those stories and how it was like transitioning from some of the early experiences to some of the experiences you're having now. Yeah, so one of them was a uh, 3PL, is a fulfillment company in Los Angeles, California. So 2007, one of the companies that I had going was a cabinetry company where we were designing kitchens and bathrooms for multifamily housing units. Um, only focused on serving real estate investment trusts. And we were flat packing them in China, where I had a lot of relationships, bringing them to the state side, assembling them. And then we had our own install crew that would go and install them. And when 2007 was coming, 2008, 2009, right, we kind of saw some of that writing on the wall as we were working with these multifamily units. So I closed that business ultimately. And we ended up with this warehouse that was just sitting there empty and it was seven, 8,000 square feet with a small office in it. And my business partner and I at the time were consulting for another company as well. And there were some things that started to go sideways there. And ultimately we left that relationship and we ended up sitting in this warehouse, looking at the empty space going, okay, what the hell do we do now? Cause we didn't have any income. So, Literally in the, in the next 60 days, we built a fulfillment company and we packed that warehouse with thousands of products where mm -hmm. us and our team that we built would pick, pack and ship products for e-commerce brands. And we got one big client and then we got a handful of smaller mom and pop clients and then we got a couple more bigger clients. And as we were building that, an opportunity came across from one of our friends in the commercial HVAC business. And UCLA had this mandate back at the time to uh, drop its carbon footprint by 25% annually. And you know, that's, that's a big number. You can't do that very easily. And the biggest load on an electrical system is HVAC and then lighting in that order. So with HVAC, there's not a whole lot you can do with the exception of manage when you're actually using the service in order to drop your load, right? So now fast forward to today as thermostats have gotten smarter and you know, Wi-Fi devices and all that stuff, smart controls are available, that does make a big difference. But 10, 12 years ago, not so much. So as we were walking through UCLA with our buddy going through it, like we asked them about LED lighting, my partner and I, and we didn't know a lot about LED lighting, but we knew a little bit about it from all the consumer electronics stuff that I was developing and sending the market. So we asked them if they would give us a building and they did. And from there, 
we sourced a bunch of products and most of them were garbage. So we kind of scrapped them and created our own product and started doing some testing. And, you know, man, we had some tough times. We caught their science building on fire. Um, we had lights burning out. Wow. We had fried an electrical system that had to be replaced. And ultimately, we ended up all that stuff being fixed. And we came out with a pretty awesome product. We were one of the first uh, tube lights out there on the market to be uh, ETL and UL approved in the marketplace. And it took us about three years to get that company off the ground. But one of our first clients um, was Raytheon. And we ended up with a contract with them that has lasted years and years and years as we've built that business and the products have changed. And, you know, the LED lighting industry has evolved a lot over the last 10 years. That's incredible. Like to, to think about how challenging that is to build something that fast, build relationships and pivot into an entirely different business to make that profitable. That's, that's a lot of problem solving in a tight space. No, man, like stress has been very, very high at times. Yeah, how have you like learned to like it to, to start even to, for anybody who has started 45 businesses in their life is just, it's a wild proposition. How have you been able to manage the stress load that comes with creating and owning and managing that many businesses? You know, I never liked having a boss from the time I was young. So, you know, I grew up in a pretty adverse um, childhood wasn't a, a normal family situation by any means. My father had huge drug problems and prostitution issues and all sorts of different things and was abusive by all the, all the words meaning. And coming through that adversity, I think what that showed me was a lot of contrast of what I don't want. But what it did is it made me very strong. And it also gave me the ability to compartmentalize, which can you know go two directions, right? Good or bad. And I spent a lot of years in therapy working on myself. And I've always been, since I can remember, very self-aware. And I think it's that self-awareness and the ability to know that I have work to do on myself and that I want to be constantly improving. You know, there's that Japanese word Kaizen, right? That Toyota uses for constant improvement. And that's something that I live by. So that's how I, how I approach everything. and. Over the last, I don't know, probably three years specifically, I've spent a lot of focused time like developing my meditation skills. And the one thing that I've really gotten from that is that you have the ability to begin again at any time. And I've really taken that to heart. It is not easy. It is not for the weak. It is frustrating. It is challenging. But if you're able to control your attitude, which you know dictates your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, then you can control your stress level. And that's where I think the magic is, is the ability to be self-aware enough to know where you are and where you wanna go that you can adapt and change. And sometimes that's beginning again every day, sometimes it's beginning again every hour, right? Like if you get just a crap ton of bad news you know, you open the email at the wrong time and now you're just in this mood, you have to be able to come back from that, right? So for me, it's how fast can I come back from that and adapt and pivot? And I'll be real honest, that's something that COVID has been 
very good for me at because there's been a lot of change and a lot of pivoting within my family and all those that it influences life um, that we've had to adapt and change and pivot and begin again. You know, and that's how I'm here today is the ability to begin again. So managing stress, in my opinion, is the ability to begin again and refocus your energy. You mentioned having a difficult childhood. Do you think having the difficult childhood made you who you are today? Do you think that brought you the self-awareness? Um, or do you think you had to develop that separately? Yeah, so yes, it made me who I am today, 100%. Um, self-awareness, I don't know. I think there's different arguments for self-awareness, right? Some people have it more intrinsically than others. Other, people's really have to, other people really have to work at it. For me, I think going through what I did gave me the ability to self-reflect. And I spent a lot of time there. And I spent a lot of time alone or alone with my younger sister who I was protecting. And going through that and going through therapy and starting to work in, my mom and stepdad later bought a bagel shop started working there when I was 12. I started working at Little Caesars Pizza when I was 15 and a half, and then ended up working at an engineering company when I was 16 and worked there until I, my early 20s until I went into my own uh, automotive and engineering business. All of those different things led to these experiences that all bred self-awareness because it was all very entrepreneurial. you know. And I've known from a young age that I would always be my own boss, that I wasn't meant to just fit into, you know, a corporate organization or just to work for somebody. I didn't have interest in that at all, um, which in that sense has driven a lot of the, of the start, fail, start, fail, or like, you know, what I call the start, stop, reverse, right? You, you go mm -hmm. and then you have to stop and then you have to back up and then you have to go again. So even though it's that, you know, two steps forward, one step back, it's constant gain, again, with a constant improvement. As long as you're moving forward, it doesn't matter what the pace, right? Like some days you may get a ton of stuff done. Other days you're just dragging for whatever reason, man. You don't feel good emotionally, physically. You're exhausted because you were out late the night before. Your kid was up sick, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And what you're describing, I was listening to a speaker the other day and they were asking him how he made such good decisions because he had had a number of eight or nine figure exits in his businesses. And he just said, basically, like my ability to make good decisions, my wisdom. And so then they asked him, well, where did your wisdom come from? And he said, experience. And they said, where did your experience come from? Failures. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting now to see that you've had such large exits that a lot of which I'm sure came from all of those the wisdom that you built up from, from all the start, stop, reverse. Yeah. And some of it's luck, right? Right time, right place, right industry, making the right choice. Call it luck. You can call it alignment you can call it whatever you want. Ultimately I'm grateful for it. And anytime I fall and I have to rebuild, I'm grateful for that opportunity too. Right? Because every time I do it bigger, better, faster. And you know, they say that I don't remember who said this, maybe, Les Brown or Jim Rohn, but even when you're broke, you're not poor, right? Because you may lose the mm -hmm. money, but you don't lose the skill. 
and you don't lose the ability to rebuild. And in that sense, that's something that I'm proud of is I focus on working on my scale constantly. You know, I read a ton of books a year. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, listen to a lot of podcasts and speakers, and I'm constantly inputting that positive stuff, that optimistic stuff, that self-awareness, anything that I can learn from and pick up on somebody else's mistakes and apply it to whatever I'm trying to do, I'm harnessing that, right? Like how can I leverage that, that I can get somewhere faster? Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. And then how did, how did all of these business exploits, mostly in the product development space, transition you into real estate? So I've always been a real estate investor. I've owned a ton of different properties in about seven different states. I've been in and out of portfolios. I've lost portfolios because I leveraged them for businesses and those businesses failed. I had to rebuild portfolios. Um, I've had good partnerships. I've had bad partnerships. But as COVID forced me to pivot what I was doing in the product space and the consulting space, it pushed me deeper into real estate I started coaching agents on building their businesses. Um, I started my podcast because I was having unbelievable conversations. And I met some great people and joined them in their organization, both my wife and I, to develop a team here in Chicago and grow that side of the business um, for two reasons. Number one, I kind of always wanted to do it, but never really thought about doing it full time. <laughs> and number two, I think it will help me drive my long-term investing goals further for one simple reason. Real estate is comprised of people and partners. That's it, right? So if I can help somebody long-term, I'm gonna make an impact. I'm gonna get what I want. They're gonna get what they want and it's a win-win situation. And that's one of the reasons I developed or I decided to go into real estate like what I call triple deep, right? On the front end, with selling, mm -hmm. buying, investing, real estate, and then investing on the back end, and then having the podcast. What specific skill sets do you think have been most valuable from the production side of your businesses, transferring over to your agency that you're building, or the team that you're building, rather? Um, I think marketing and branding. like, And I think because I've started so many different companies, 
that I've had the ability to start so many different brands, that's something that has become very natural and easy for me to do, that I have the ability to, to see that brand like in my mind. I'm very visual that way, and I like design. I'm very close to design. It's important to me. So the ability to create a brand in my mind and think about it and kind of mold it and then transfer it on paper, that's a strong skill set that I have. And that's enabled me to be able to kind of begin with the end in mind, if you will, of, hey, what do I want this real estate business to look like? And self-awareness drives that, right? Because what do I want to do and what do I not want to do, right? I don't want a door knock. Mm-hmm. I don't want a cold call. I don't want to deal with administrative BS. I don't want to run the books. I have no desire to do any of that. I want to meet people, <laughs> build relationships, and give my clients a solution for whatever they need, whether they're sellers, whether they're buyers, whether they're investor. And, you know, like, I want to be in touch with my people, right? Like, how can I find all the entrepreneurs out there and business owners that I could help with their homes? Right, because maybe there's some other things I can contribute to their business too, and maybe they can learn from my failures, and I can save them money, money, or you know, give them a shortcut, or introduce them to somebody that could be life changing for their business. Right, like that's the level of contribution I want. How about this? Like, as you transition to real estate, what were the expectations versus the reality of that transition? Um. I don't know because it's still kind of happening. So I don't really know the answer to that. I, I mean, I guess like I don't have an expectation. I'm very clear on what I want and where I want to go. And I know my roadmap to get there. Right. So the question becomes is can I be consistent to get there? So, like, here, I'll show you guys this. This is my daily action plan. And I'll send you guys this in Messenger. So Very cool. Here's what it awesome, consists yeah. of. Okay. There is um, a gentleman that I had on my podcast named Jim Remley. Amazing agent. 33 plus years in the business. Based out of Oregon. He's in a town of 80,000 people and does over a billion dollars in production. Yeah. Okay. He, he introduced me to something called the four ones. And the four ones are... Uh, one hour of lead generation, um, set one appointment a day, add one contact to your sphere of influence a day, and attend one appointment a day. So I said, okay, this is interesting. And this was like months ago. It stuck with me like as I've been developing this thing. So I said, okay, I want to step this up. So then I said, as part of what I'm trying to do, I need long-form content. So I said, okay. Every day, I'm going to take my iPhone and go shoot a 10-minute video of a neighborhood. Could be one long street, could be a couple streets, could be just a subdivision, whatever, that I can use to put on YouTube, break out into reels, put on TikTok, all that kind of good stuff, right, for my wife and I. And I said, okay, so I call, the, I call it the 5 by 4 plan. It's five steps in four hours. So my day is broken from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., for me to do that. And the reason it's 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is because by 10 o'clock, I've done my mindset work, I've worked out, I've gotten kids to school, I've eaten breakfast, I've done household BS, all that kind of stuff. And then if I finish by two, 
I can do other work that I have to do before I have to go get kids from school, right? Because my wife and I, we have five kids. We have to tag team everything in order to manage and wrangle children Mm -hmm. everywhere. Our youngest is five. Our oldest is 16. She just started driving. So this plan, I implemented it about two weeks ago, and it's been life-changing. It's been life-changing because I've been able to be consistent and actually over-deliver where uh, I'll set two or three appointments in a day. I'll add five people to my sphere of influence. I'll attend, you know, one or two appointments. Some of them are on Zoom, right? So it's easy. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just, you know, turn on the camera. Um, And then I just started making the videos. And, like, that's the thing I've been struggling at, right? Because I'm anal. I want this huge production, but... That's not what I need to do. I just need to go and shoot the video and keep it simple, right? So that's me reining myself in. But my goal was to have this kind of dialed in in 30 to 45 days, right? So I've also learned through self-awareness to be a little bit kinder to myself that it's not going to be perfect out of the gate. And it's going to take me some time to figure it out. But the question becomes is can I do this consistently? Because if I can do this consistently, I can have whatever business that I want. And... Most people, most agents don't have a plan. They may or may not have a calendar. It may or may not be organized. They may or may not be doing lead gen, but what are they doing, right? So for me, it's the 80-20 rule. I want to spend the time doing what I know is going to help drive the business. And it's not going to turn on overnight. It takes time, right? You guys know. It takes time to build your business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. But... If you can create a system that you can stick to, that you're comfortable with, and that you want to do, that's a game changer. And that's where I saw, that's where me coaching agents, like, has paid for itself in dividends. Because it gave me so much insight and so much clarity into what doesn't work and where people are struggling. So I anticipated, hey, I may have these same struggles. So... Here's the plan for my wife and I that I know in these four hours a day, we can do this business. We can build this business. And if we can be consistent about that, that's all it's going to take to grow. What would you say are the things that are universal? And what things would you say are more like based on an agent's personality or preference? So I think one of the most important things is to know your strengths. Right? So... I would advise everybody to take um, a strengths finder test. It could be Clifton. Um, there's a handful of them. It's, if you just Google them, I can also get you guys some links if you want to drop in the show notes. The one of the best things I ever did was take the Clifton strengths assessment a few years ago, and I wish I would have known about it 20 years ago. It taught me a lot about myself, and what it really does is it breaks down your top five strengths, your second strengths to equal your ten. And goes all the way to like 32 or 36. And a few of my strengths were, number one, relater. And that's when I realized that I needed to be on the front end of real estate. Because the relationships are important to me. And I'm also very good at relating to people. And being able to have honest, open, transparent, authentic conversations. And that's one of the things I've enjoyed the most about my podcast and being on podcasts as a guest is being able to do that. Um, Second was the ability to focus. And those two things alone 
gave me a lot of opportunity for growth. And I think if people can dive in to what their strengths are and stop focusing on their weaknesses, they'll have a completely different business and let them just hire all of their weaknesses <laughs> to support them. Yeah, so you have a good counterbalance to who you are as a person. Uh, you just mentioned that your ability to focus has been extremely important to you in developing that ability. Can you tell me which strategies you've used to be able to do that more efficiently? Yeah, so I time block. I work in blocks of 60 to 90 minutes on a given task, and I have different things broken into you know, different blocks, right? Like an, an administrative block or a creative block or a lead generation block. And what I do on my computer is I set a timer and I say, okay, I'm gonna focus on lead gen for 30 minutes. And then I'm going to focus on, you know, booking my next two appointments for the next 30 minutes after that. That may be a result from lead gen, it may not. It may be like, hey, just not having a good day getting a hold of people or talking to people today. So I'm gonna focus on calling some vendors, right? Let me get some more insurance appointments with <laughs> loan officers or title companies or insurance agents or contractors or whoever to add to my sphere and database and you know build a referral business with. Um, and those are, those are two of the tools that I've been able to really help me focus is, you know, a lot of people are so focused on time management, but you can't manage time. We all get the same 24 hours in the day. What you can manage <laughs> is activity. So yeah. what activities are you scheduling and how are you blocking them so that you can deliver that consistently? And rather than saying, okay, all I'm gonna do is lead gen for four hours, for me, I know that's not realistic. Like I don't wanna just sit at my desk and call people for four hours. But what I can do <laughs> is I can lead gen for 60 minutes and then go for a walk and then maybe call some other people or focus on Facebook messaging and reaching out to people in Facebook groups, right? That kind of stuff. Um, so that makes a ton of sense. Um, you've mentioned all these books and all these other mentorships or um, perhaps that's not the right word. Um, you mentioned that you constantly are working on your self-development, right? Um, is there a professional mentor or even an author that, that comes to mind as being the most influential in getting you through all the struggles that you've had to get through? Yeah, I'll give you a couple. Uh, one is Bob Proctor. He recently passed. Unbelievable human being. Uh, two is Napoleon Hill, which Bob Proctor talks a lot about. Uh, three is a gentleman named Price Pritchett. He wrote a very short book that I read every day called You Squared. This book is 36 pages. I can also uh, drop you guys a link to that as well. And I'll give you an example of how powerful this book is, right? One of the, the whole premise of the book is that you have the ability to make a quantum leap in your personal effectiveness. And the book starts out with him sitting in the lobby of an inn uh, somewhere in Canada. And he's hearing this fly. And this fly is 
trying so hard to get out of a glass window. And ultimately, mm -hmm. he's going to end up dying on the windowsill, right? Because he's just fighting this window. He just hears his wings buzzing when 10 feet away is an open door to get outside. Mm -hmm. And the whole, the whole premise of it, of the book, is stop trying so hard and figure out a different way because it doesn't have to be challenging. It doesn't have to be difficult, right? There's always another option if you'll give yourself the time and the white space to think about it. Um, and that's been highly influential for me. So I read two books every day. I read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, and I read You Squared, literally every day. I read two pages of You Squared, five pages of Napoleon Hill. Most people read a book and you don't remember 99.9% .9 of it. Right. So then you go and you read the book a second time. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I didn't see that before. Well, no, that's not the truth. It was there. You just learned something and now you're different. Right. Because you were you're being impacted different because there was some growth that caused you to evolve or to change or to learn. So now you take in things. Right. That's why revisiting books that have had a good impact on you are so important because there's always more there to learn. You're never going to get it the first time or the second time or the third time. Mine's, I got two. I, I do 10x rule and compound effect um, at least twice a year Both each. of those are great. Um, compound effect's an yeah. amazing book. So, Raymond, obviously you have a vast array of talents. Um, what tip, tool, or strategy do you think has had the most impact on your success? Um, the ability to unlearn and relearn. That, that is my tip. You have to have the ability to unlearn and relearn. I don't think there's one thing. I think people, mm -hmm. again, if you're self-aware and you can know your strengths, and if you're not a technology person, stay away from technology and hire that out. If you are a technology mm -hmm. person, go deep. Figure out what works for you and adjust as you go. But if you have the ability to unlearn and relearn, you're unstoppable. Right. And that's that's going to separate somebody that is an incredible agent person broker from anybody else. Right. Because how many agents do you guys know that? Oh, I've been in the business 30 years. OK, then why do you still sell four houses a year? <laughs> right. Too I mean, many. there's nothing wrong with that if that's <laughs> what you want. That's OK. I'm not trying to slam that, but. It doesn't matter to me how long you've been in the business. Right. Like, are you doing what you want to do? I mean, yeah. and it doesn't take usually that long to get that clarity, but it's just setting aside time to, to figure out like what it is that I want. Yeah. Well, some people it'll take 20 years to get clarity because of what you just said. They haven't set aside that time. They haven't done the work. They haven't prioritized what they want. Like, are you clear on what you want? Like I have one goal, you guys, one goal, complete time freedom. That's what I want. So yeah. what does that mean? Me too. <laughs> that means that I don't want to answer to anybody. It means that I want to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. It means I have to have income structures in place that allow me to give me that time freedom, which means businesses, systems, multiple streams of revenue, right? Like for that one goal, I figured out how I reverse engineer it in order to get there. And that's all I'm focused on, right? So one of the things we talked about was I want 5,000 apartment units or 5,000 doors over the next 10 years. 
it's not going to all come at once. It may take me 15 years. It may take me six. It depends. Mm-hmm. But I want that because I know that that is going to equal complete time freedom for me, right? Because I'm going to get these units with partners. I'm not doing it by myself. We're going to hire professional property managers. We're going to set this up. And for me, it's a number. It's a freedom number that I need and want to hit my family's goals that I have set in order to get there. All supporting one goal, complete time freedom. Yeah, which is just kind of ties beautifully in a bow because that's what this podcast is all about, the Freedom Chasers podcast. And it's it's something that is near and dear to Tim and I's heart, which is how do we put information out there where people, if they took action on it, would lead them into a place of complete and utter time, emotional, psychological, you know, all the different ways that we can experience freedom. So I'm so glad that you brought it, brought it there. And Raymond, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're running your five fours, you're running a podcast, you're running a real estate business, you're building a 5,000 unit portfolio. Like there's so many other things that you could have been doing today, yet you took time with us to share the insight and so many nuggets. I wrote down a handful of notes and I obviously had the privilege of watching this again, but I just wrote things down so I could actually take action quicker. And for our audience out there, if you do nothing else, take one note that you can implement in the next seven days. Tell somebody about it so they can hold you accountable because freedom is not as far away as you think. It's it's attained one action at a time. And before you know it, you're going to be living a life of freedom. So guys, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 